This episode of Manage Smarter is presented by TeamKeeper, SalesFuel's data-driven program for improving team culture, communication, and retention. Learn more about TeamKeeper at TeamKeeper.com. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the Manage Smarter Podcast. I am Audrey Strong, Director of Communications for SalesFuel. We're so glad you're here. And I'm C. Lee Smith, the president and CEO of Sales Show. And here's a guest that I've been looking forward to for weeks. I bought his book, one of his books. And then three days later, I find out he's going to be on the podcast. I'm really excited about this one. <laughs> it's Kismet, Dr. Paul White. Welcome, sir. I'll give everybody a briefer on you if you've got 30 seconds to let me introduce you. Wow, what a career you've had. Well, thanks. I'm glad to be with you all. And yeah, I've lived a little bit of life. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, Dr. Paul White, psychologist, author, speaker, consultant who makes relationships work, president of Appreciation at Work. This is a professional training and coaching company which enables leaders to build dynamic work environments and healthy work relationships. What a thought, right? Paul, you're also the co-author of Five Languages of Appreciation. We're going to explain what those are, appreciation in the workplace. Also the author of The Vibrant Workplace. Overcoming the Obstacles to Building a Culture of Appreciation. And as you said, Paul, people are feeling extremely undervalued and think that their managers really don't know how to effectively communicate appreciation and recognition to others. And that's why you're here to teach us. Welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be a part. Hey, let's just jump right in. I want to talk about the, what's the business case of this. It's like, so the, the ROI that you get out of putting more energy, effort, maybe even revenue into appreciation and recognition. Uh, what do you say to that? Well, it, it's pretty overwhelming, actually. I just finished doing the research for updating five languages of appreciation in the workplace. It came out in 2011. We've sold 275,000 copies since then, and the publisher wants me to update it. And so I just completed revising that. And, you know, Gallup, organization, which pretty well recognized, interviewed over 100,000 employees all over the world and identified what factors contribute to employee engagement and appreciation communicating appreciation is one of those core factors. And when we know that things improve employee engagement, a lot of good things happen. Tardiness, coming to work after breaks and so forth, decreases. Turnover, staff turnover, which is the largest non-productive cost that businesses have, decreases significantly. There's less conflict between team members as well as with their supervisors customer ratings go up, productivity goes up in a lot of cases, not always. It depends on the, the type of place and setting. But the other thing is managers significantly enjoy uh, their work more when team members feel valued because of all these other things that go away. You don't have to worry about people not showing up, falling in sick when they're not really sick, arguing and having stupid conflict over little things that don't matter. And you know, uh, there's a lot of good research that shows that Firms, organizations, doesn't really matter how, whether they're big or small, the, the ones that their team members feel valued and appreciated significantly outperform their competitors who are either in the middle or low end of that. And so it becomes a competitive advantage because, you know, there's a lot of different factors on why somebody will choose to use you. Well, if they get along well with your customer service people or your salespeople and feel like they're positive versus, you know, you're having to sort of drag things out of them, you're going to land more sales and, and good things. So I want to draw on your expertise as a psychologist. What is the number one reason that managers seem to struggle with seeing what you call the personhood in their employees? Mm -hmm. Why do we mm -hmm. do that? 
Why do we do that? Well, I think there's different reasons. For some people, it's easier to think about numbers and figures and data than it is about people. And so you can sort of simplify it down and, you know, you have charts that make it look good and all that, and you, and you lose the people in the midst of it. And I would say a fair amount of it has to do with historically the, the focus of how we've trained business leaders through MBAs and so forth. You know, if you look at the coursework that they take, it's highly focused on financial analysis and bidly squat really on managing people until more recently. And so the focus of what they think they should be doing is about managing numbers and not leading people. Mm -hmm. About how often should a good manager in, in your mind show recognition or appreciation for each individual employee? That's a great question. You know, on the Gallup poll, when they uh, do surveys of uh, corporations, they ask it how many times or has a person been shown appreciation in the last week? I think that's a high standard, personally. Mm -hmm. uh, it really depends on your relationship, because if it's somebody that you only you serve on a committee, you know, and you see them once every you know quarter, that's very different than your right-hand person that you see and work with every day. And also, depending on the kind of relational base that you have, if you've been working with that person for a number of years and you, they know that you value them and it doesn't take much to sort of keep the plate spinning versus to really convince them initially. So I would say every couple of weeks is good. At a minimum, I was working with some eight, uh, IT guys in Chicago and, and they said, well, you know, well, how about once every six weeks or six months, actually? And I said, yeah, I think you need to jack it up a little <laughs> bit more than that because a lot of times people just hear maybe some positives in their supposedly annual performance review, and it, it's clearly got to be more often than that. And also, I would imagine have, it varies by the person, right? So, I mean, because it's like you've heard so much about the younger workers these days needing more real-time feedback and the older workers maybe not needing so much, but I think it, it varies among the individual, right? Absolutely. And, and the key sort of concept among from the five language appreciation is not everybody feels appreciated the same mm -hmm. ways. We had over 140,000 people take our online inventory, the Motivating by Appreciation inventory, and it identifies the ways in which people prefer to be shown appreciation. And words is just about 46% of people. So over half the people really don't want words, although that's mainly what we give in the workplace, whether it's yeah. a or whatever. And so it's not, I would say it's actually more about the how you show them appreciation and even for what and by whom rather than how often because you can say thanks and good job and whatever you want three times a day to somebody. And if that's not really what, you know, motivates them, then you're just sort of wasting your time and energy. Well, what kind of tips could you give to managers for how to best show appreciation then? Well, you know, the five languages of appreciation, and they were derived from the five love languages, believe it or not. Oh, okay. And so, and Dr. Chapman wrote that, and it sold 14 million copies. It's done pretty well, I think. And we derived the languages that they're the same in name, but they look different in day-to-day -day life. Words of affirmation. So you're affirming by words what they do and, and the value they bring. Quality time is another language. Uh, one of the issues with quality time is most managers think that that means the employee wants time with you. And when I'm talking to leaders, <laughs> I know what you're saying. Just because they want time doesn't mean they want time with you. Uh, <laughs> oh, come on. They'd rather, yeah, they'd I need a little time to myself right now. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and then the acts of service, which is not rescuing low performing workers, but it's rather those people that say, you know, words are cheap, don't 
tell me that I'm valuable, show me. Best example of that is when you're facing a um, time deadline about some project I get done. What's something somebody could do that would help make that go better and feel like they're supporting you, whether that's bringing in for you or maybe holding your calls and and covering those or whatever. Uh, Acts of service and then tangible gifts, which is not compensation bonuses. It's really small things that just show you're getting to know them as a person. So during sports season, let's say, you know, this is spring right now. And let's say they're a baseball fan and you get them maybe one of those magazines about preseason, you know, things about the different teams and maybe about the Cubs, White Sox, depending on the Royals. Or the Royals. There you go. Although the Royals are the best triple A for the entire league. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that, or it could be their, you know, their favorite Starbucks or some just little meaningful to them. Yes. Yeah. A magazine about one of their hobbies, you know, and they're trying to improve their golf swing or whatever. So it's just showing that you thought about them. It's not about the money by any means. And then the last one, which is always a fun one to talk about is physical touch. Are you revising that one for the new book? <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm not because here, here's the deal. Physical touch in, in the workplace is largely spontaneous celebration. It's a high five when you finish a project. It's a fist bump when you solve a problem. It's a congratulatory handshake. And actually, we know that cross-culturally, because our book's in 16 languages, pat on the back is the most acceptable form of physical touch. And, you know, we got regional differences. I lived in Atlanta for a while, and they give hugs down there. And you know, in New York and New Jersey, you know, uh, physical touch is sort of nodding your head and saying, hey, from across the room. <laughs> you know, that's what it is. And it, it could be meaningful to people. It, it can feel pretty cold and stiff if there's no sort of celebration at all. Um, so it's there. But obviously, you have to be careful about that. It's it's really up to the recipient what's appropriate. Mm-hmm. And, you know, had one group that they put, you know, no HA on their buttons. And it was like no hugs allowed kind of thing. And so, you know, it, it's fine. So out of the five, so you said 46% words, what is the most popular one or what are the top two then that are the most, most effective and that are most desired? Well, words is the most desired. Okay. At 46%. Um, Okay. Yeah. At 46. And then depending on the group, quality time and acts of service were sort of tied for second and third. And they're about anywhere from 20 to 26%. And then tangible gifts is only about 6%, which is an important point because most employee recognition programs really focus on tangible gifts. Mm-hmm. And my colleagues and some other recognition companies feel like a lot of companies are just wasting tens of thousands of dollars on gifts because what people told me is like, if you get me a gift, but I never hear a word of encouragement or you never stop by to check in on me or you never help me out when I'm behind, it feels pretty superficial, especially if it doesn't cost the manager or anything. Mm-hmm. And so that's pretty low. And then physical touch is really about 1%. So it's low as well. But yeah, words is the most important. But one of the things, again, with employee recognition program is that often it's a big meeting, sort of ceremony kind of thing. And we found that about 40% of the general workplace employee does not and absolutely does not want to go up in front of a large group to be recognized and that it actually becomes a negative for them. And so what often is sort of structured as in, in traditional employee recognition actually becomes a negative. It feels contrived, mechanistic, impersonal, generic, and people start to get sarcastic and, and cynical about it. So uh, some of my colleagues just came back from a conference where they were telling the whole idea that you need to spend 1% of your company's payroll on your company recognition program. Have you heard that before? Does that make any sense to you? 
Yeah, that's usually by the the people that are selling you the recognition (laughs) programs. So giving a keynote at the Recognition Professional International Conference here this week and two years ago, I warned them. I said, you need to be careful that if you guys don't start getting this right, your money is going to go away. Sort of the benefits of focusing on appreciation, it doesn't cost a lot of money. I mean, an email, a word doesn't cost anything. Stopping by and seeing somebody doesn't cost anybody. Helping them out. Tangible gifts, what we're talking about is really low-cost kind of stuff. I mean, it's less than inbox usually. And so it's not money that you throw at them. And a lot of money can be saved and, and I think used elsewhere. I think one of the places it could be used is freeing up a little bit of time for people to be able to gather and relate. Because appreciation only works when you have a relationship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It feels pretty manipulative. And so... I think one of the biggest obstacles we find in appreciation and recognition uh, from both managers and employees is that they just feel like they're too busy to do anything. So freeing up some time for, you know, a lunch or a little bit of a gathering on a Friday afternoon, something like that would be, I think, a better use of the money. So it seems like these principles fit to any size business. If I'm a manager, part of a company that's not doing any of this, and I want to pitch this up, you know, managing up, managing down, what are the other elements in my pitch to encourage, you know, let's implement these things that I need to bring to the table? So one of the key things, especially when you're talking to managers or leaders of any level, is that it's not just for the leaders, supervisors, and managers. We started out focusing on them, but as we've worked with thousands of companies and organizations, we found that people want to know how to encourage and show appreciation to their colleagues and peers. And so we've actually adjusted the model that, yeah, it's helpful for your supervisor to know how to show you appreciation, but it's equally as important, especially for younger workers. Uh, And we found an age difference here. We just did a study on millennials versus older workers and millennials want to hear from their colleagues and they want to spend time. So it's not so much that this is another to do that you have to do as a manager Yeah, it's sort of a to-do for you to help support your team grow in this, but it's not like you have to show appreciation to all of your team members and that you have the sole responsibility for that. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing now. I mean, after the five languages of appreciation, you're you're doing some new stuff, Vibrant Workplace. Uh, Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, so I've been working with the the five languages of appreciation for nine years now and go out and do management training and HR departments implement this. We have online sort of train the trainer program that they can take and take it with their team. And as I worked with different groups, sort of found, okay, what are the common obstacles to make this work? You know, and and identified 10 common obstacles. And the subtitle of the vibrant workplace is overcoming the obstacles to create a culture of appreciation. And so it's things like a lack of interest by your management. And one of the cool things we found is this doesn't have to start at the top down. If you're in the middle or even, you know, towards the bottom, you can start applying these concepts in your day-to-day work relationships. Second one is pushback from supervisors, either that they feel like, you know, why should I have to tell them thanks for doing their job? Or, you know, how am I supposed to show appreciation when I don't feel valued? Mm. Rest that uh, issue of an inauthenticity that's brought about from traditional employee recognition uh, overcoming negativity, busyness, uh, cross-cultural issues. Um, how do you show appreciation to a low performer or do you? Um, how do you show appreciation to somebody that's really, you don't like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're tough to, to show appreciation to. And Especially if they're a low performer you don't like, or you don't like them oh, because they're oh a low man. performer. Yeah, Double. exactly. Yeah. 
And so just all of those issues in creating both the book and then again, a, sort of a video training program to be able to take your members through that they can watch a short video and then there's discussion kinds of things and how to get past those. And, and it's sort of like you can pick and choose, you know, whichever ones fit your organization. Because you want to create, this is complicated yet simple. The five things are simple, but all the things you just <laughs> named are complicated and you don't want to recognize somebody and then have a reaction from somebody else who's upset that this person got recognized and I didn't. How do you, how do you deal with that as you're creating this? Audrey, you're right on target in that I'm often embarrassed as a psychologist about how simple these concepts are, but it's the implementation mm -hmm. of them that, that's tougher. It's not super tough, but it takes effort. Well, you know, one of the issues is we really differentiate between recognition and appreciation. That recognition is focused on performance. And when a recognition program is designed and implemented well, it does good things. I mean, you reward and encourage the kinds of behaviors you want to see that make the company and the organization function well. Right. Appreciation can include that, but appreciation goes beyond that. We believe people have value as a person. They're not just work units. They're not just producers. And so that's where you can have the freedom to show appreciation to somebody who's a low performer because the other part is employee recognition programs only tend to touch the top 10 to 15% of employees. They're the ones and they keep, keep getting their awards. And let's say you got your low performance. We'll deal with them later. But you've got this big middle group of 40 to 50% of people is. who are decent. Mm -hmm. They're good people. They're working hard. They need to improve and so forth. But if they don't ever hear anything, you know, one of the key stats is 79% of the people who leave a job voluntarily cite a lack of appreciation as the key uh -huh. reason for leaving. So you're at risk for losing your core team if you don't figure out that you need to show them appreciation and it can be about non-work stuff. It can be about, hey, you know, Jim, I'm really sort of impressed by how you're training for this half marathon. That takes a lot of discipline. I, you know, I don't have that. That's cool. Or, you, you know, a, a single mom, Stephanie, and I'm just super uh, impressed with how you are committed to your kids and how much you're there for them. It's not about work. You think you're going to grab that gal's heart? You bet. And and mm -hmm. she's going to you know, be on your team and with you. So it's not just about work stuff. And that gives us some freedom to fill in the gaps when they need to, to grow on the work side. So appreciation and recognition are not synonymous. Not in my mind. Yeah. I okay. think they, they need to be differentiated. And the part of the problem is the recognition professionals have tried to use recognition, big group stuff around performance for appreciation. And I had one gal who got like, you know, employee of the year. And the CEO said, man, you know, I just really appreciate you and all you do for our company. She later said, he doesn't appreciate me. He, he couldn't uh, pick me out of a group, you know? Uh, and so yeah. it wasn't about her. It was about her performance and we need to differentiate that. But they both create better employee engagement separate. They yes. do. So, well, where can people find you, Dr. White, uh, if they want to get a hold of you or have you come do a keynote for them? Yeah. So the, the best place that you can find is appreciationatwork.com. And it's the word at, not the at sign, but appreciationatwork.com. Find out about the five languages, about viral workplace, about toxic workplaces, and uh, also about me doing speaking and training. Yep. We'd love to have people come to managesmarter.com as well. Paul, this has been such a pleasure and a privilege. And uh, we learned a lot today. I thought that they were the same thing. I really did. I yeah. did too. And so, but so I appreciate you taking the time to spend with us today. And I recognize you for a fantastic interview. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much. Way, way to go on that, Lee. That's <laughs> Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. 
If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.